Hey everyone, Corey here. Before we get stuck into our Nottingham Forest preview episode, I want to give you a quick reminder and a shout out for our uh, competition partners, Flatback Four. We are running a competition with them this week. So if you want some free merch, make sure you check out our Twitter page. Go on there, follow us, follow Flatback Four, retweet our tweet, and you can be in for a chance to win some free merch from them. It's a really nice embroidered Derby County shirt. It's going to look awesome. So make sure that you do that. Um, all right, now that that's over, let's get stuck into the episode. This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews, and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. It's Corey along with you, and we've got a big special episode today because it's the East Midlands Derby preview game, uh, preview pod. Always a big game, one of the big games that I always look forward to when the fixtures come out. Uh, it didn't necessarily go the right way earlier in the season, but hopefully this time will be a little bit different at the city ground. Um, and joining me today, as always, is my friend, except for this week. He's a friend of me. It's Matt Davis from the Nottinghamshire Evening Post uh, and host of the Garibaldi Red Podcast. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. I think this is the third or fourth time. So thanks for thanks for showing back up. I appreciate it. And then um, how are we? Uh, good, good. Forrest had a good win at the weekend, as did Derby. So yeah, feeling pretty good. Looking forward to this coming game against Derby County for sure. And my other guest today to get a little bit more Derby perspective um, is somebody who's also returning to the show, but this time not in a Rams review capacity, but in his uh, new burgeoning broadcasting career. Uh, kind of way is a uh, former Derby County defender, Mark O'Brien OB. How are we? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks yourself. Yeah, not too bad. And, and I was looking at it this week, Mark, and I want to get onto this later on because I want to, I want to hear some thoughts about the, we only had 10 men game uh, because, because you were, you, you played in that. And I would like to hear your thoughts about the city ground and, and force and everything. Um, but gents, before we kick off talking about the game, we have to talk about Derby County and everything that's been going on over the last few days, because I, I don't know what it's like on the red side of the, of the Trent map, but as a Derby County supporter, a 24 hour period can seem like a week in terms of things that happen, you know, and then people sit there and go, Oh, Tottenham's poorly run and all oh, Tottenham's bunker. Yeah, sure. Go look at Derby and, and see what that situation's like. Mark, from your perspective of being a, a commentator now for BBC radio Derby, um, you know, we, we heard before the game, Graham Shinney had gone to Wigan for 30,000, which is pretty much peanuts this day and age. Um, we, then we had the cracking win against Sheffield where Tom Lawrence basically just skinned him alive and he was five star, two worldy goals. And then we have this other, the other news after the game where, you know, fans of Ed Dawes went on radio and he talked about that the administrators and people need to clear some things up. And now we've got this petition to, there's a petition going around to, to talk to, um, to MPs to try to get it on parliament. And there seems to be a lot of things moving here with the takeover and different things and, and, and this kind of saga. And hopefully it'll come to a conclusion. What, what are your thoughts on all of that? post the match mark of you have these negative vibes or you have these positive vibes after a game and then that's very quickly quashed 
by off the field issues as someone who's been in the game and now in the commentary booth, how do you, how do you view this last, was it 24, 36, 48 hours for Derby County? I think it's something that I think from a Derby perspective, um, as much of a roller coaster they've been on this season, I think it's something for them where I think they always expect the worst. I think it's something where, yes, they, they are doing everything they can on the field, which I think that's all that's in their control. I think sometimes the uncontrollables is something that normally derails a team, but this team is, is showing like a lot of fight and a lot of passion and playing for the badge and playing for the club themselves. So I think it's something where as much as uh, Derby are doing so well on the pitch, um, I think it's something where they expect these knockbacks and they're expecting these things to happen. So I think they can turn around and, and look at it in whatever way possible. But I do honestly think that all they can control of what they do on the field um, as players and as staff, and they're doing that each to a man. They're, they're fighting for every last minute, every last tackle. And like you say, the fans are there supporting them left, right and centre. So I think what happens off the field, sometimes it can derail a club, but these these players are playing with a lot of pride and 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 as you say, it's it's shown week in, week out. So I do think um yeah, it like as you say, a twenty four hours can can seem like a lifetime, I think, when in the situation that they're in, but what they can control, they are controlling and I think that's the only way that, that they are looking at it. And what happens off the field is something that they're leaving to everybody else because like you say, the players can only focus on what they do for that ninety minutes and, and they're doing it so successfully so far. And Mark, being a former being a former player and obviously also being captain at Newport County, how were you acutely aware when you were playing of, of off the field issues or boardroom issues? Or was it just you kind of just go in, you sit in the dressing room with, you know, the, the 23 lads who are going to be running out on the pitch with you and it kind of galvanizes you? Or did that ever worry you when you were playing that you're thinking all these other things or did you just block it out to try to perform the best you could? I think as a professional, I think you have to put them things to one side. I think you have to have that self-pride in yourself. And in all fairness, I think any of the players to a man will look at this situation. And like I said, there's probably lads in that team that have been through promotions and all different scenarios. And this would probably be one of the greatest um, achievements of anybody's career to put up what they've to put up with what they've put up with all year. And to maybe come out on the other side of it and, and make it a success story. I think as a professional, um, you have that like dangling carrot, as they like to call it, where you have that end goal and you want to be that success. And they're all pushing it in the right direction. And like I say, as a professional, I don't think you're naive enough not to know what's going on on the outside. I think with social media and everything nowadays, I think it's clear to see what is going on. But then also on the flip side of it, like I say, you get paid this money to be a professional and you're meant to show that professional attitude. And I think, like I say, everyone at Derby is showing that mental toughness to, and if and if players can come through this and some of the young lads who are who have been involved with the force team, if they can come through this and the adversity, then like you say, um, it's something where it needs a lot of characters and, and Derby have them right characters between the experience and the youth in, in between all that. And like you say, I think they're just trying to be as professional and successful as they can be and then what will be will be but at least I think they're giving it the best that they can and so they don't look backward on your regrets and I think that's that that's the way forward for them and I think that as any player would look at those kind of circumstances and, and use it as um, fuel to the fire and, and want to prove people wrong and want to make it a success and I think that's what Derby are doing at the moment. 
And, and Matt, from your perspective, I don't know it's being a Nottingham Forest journalist and, and the history with Derby, but just being as someone who's in the football industry, as a football man who's been in the game a long time and written about the game a long time, what are your thoughts on on everything that's going down on the other side of the A52 from a, from a Forest perspective? Is this is this something that Forest fans are gleeful about, that Derby's continuing to get the shaft here? Or is it something that it's kind of like, look, they took their punishment. We like the rivalry as much as we don't like Derby County. You know, we want to be able to have a rival. And is it, and is it starting to see, are you starting to see a bit of a, a change in the tone of the fans any, in any way? Uh, I suppose if you look at the most extreme end of the scale, it would be liquidation. I don't think, I mean, there will be some Forest fans who want that, who would want them to reform and, you know, be at Matlock's level or whatever. I don't think that's the majority point of view. I think most fans appreciate kind of the role of a football club in a community and how it's at the heart of everything. And Derby County is a big local employer. And frankly, they owe a lot of people money. And, you know, they, I think it would be a good resolution to have it all be taken over. But like I say, football clubs are a community more than anything. So I don't think Forest fans want them to go under. I certainly think they'd want them to go down and suffer the pain of three or four years in League One like Forest had. I mean, from a personal point of view, I've got Derby friends. And I think it'd just be so unbearable if Derby stayed up because of the, it'd be such an achievement. <laughs> To overturn the 21-point deduction, you just never hear the end of it. So, you know, Forest fans hate Derby. Derby fans hate Forest. But at the end of the day, I don't... I'd be disappointed if it was the majority view that Forest wanted them to go under. Forest fans, I should say. But obviously, I'm sure they want to go down to League One and potentially League Two. I mean, look at Bolton. It's not easy to get back out of League One. You look at Sunderland now. You look at Forest for their three years, lead Sheffield Wednesday. It's a, it's a mega long list. So I think they'd be happy to see Derby suffer, but not suffer the ultimate fate, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. I think I like to see Wayne revving up that motorbike and jumping over the fence in the Great Escape. That's, that's I'm, I'm desperate for that to happen until it's mathematically impossible. I will continue to believe. Um, but, but it's good to hear, Matt, because obviously the, the football integrity uh, of the footballing pyramid is important, and, and this club's got a, a long lineage. And yes, it's had a, a terrible recent history with with finances and things like that and they took punishments but like mark says this can, this team continues to put up fight and to show this great determination to get out of this mess which is pretty much the best thing um that you can ask for now matt i want to i want to i want to move on to forest here because i watched forest a couple of weeks ago and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna put my hand up here okay i watched forest a couple of weeks ago in the fa cup third round against arsenal at the city ground and that was probably the greatest part of Nottingham Forest performance I've seen in at least five years, maybe six. They they played Arsenal off this park. I think Jed Spence was – Nuno Tavares didn't even know what hit him when Jed Spence came off. He, he, still, he still wakes up with nightmares and cold sweats of that lad doing what he was doing because he was just absolutely ripped him a new one. And I look at it, and, and Forest seemed to be – when we spoke earlier in, in the autumn, Chris Hewton was still in charge – you were a bit downbeat about Hewton. You were, you know, the fan, the, the, the idea of the fans was a bit downbeat. And Steve Cooper's come in now. And he had a great record at Swansea. And I mean, Nottingham Forest, they're 10th. They've won three of the last five games. Is, is, this, is this turnaround from Steve Cooper, is this promotion form for Nottingham Forest that they're in right now? Because they, they won late the other day in those hideous slime yellow and orange jerseys. Um, but you know, tell me about Nottingham Forest since, since the autumn and what, what difference and impact Steve Cooper's made. Uh, they're like two different football clubs, I guess. Like you say, 
last time when I was on here talking about Chris Hewton, um, I, I tried to be charitable because you want them to succeed, but it just wasn't working. It was so deathly dull. Um, it was just destined to fail. And Cooper's come in and sort of in a Rooney kind of way. I'm sure we'll come on to Rooney. But I think what Rooney's done is given players belief and unity. And I don't think Forrest had that. And Cooper's done that and transformed the tactics and transformed everything about the club and um, embraced the history of the club and brought a bit of a swagger to them. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know what Mark would think, but I think it's good to have a bit of an arrogance about a team. It's not nothing particularly wrong about it and to believe that you're better than your opponents. And I think Hewton and other previous managers made them a bit too passive. And Forrest take the game to people now, which will make for a really interesting game on Saturday, I'm sure. But yeah, they're a different football club. You say it's promotion form. I mean, mathematically, it kind of is promotion form because they took one point from the first seven or eight games. And now they're, I think they were third or fourth in the, in the table for, for form. They're pushing for the playoffs. They're making good signings and they're looking to add to them, including your left back. Um, so yeah, things are looking up for sure. Mark, how do you view how do you view the turnaround of Nottingham Forest and as as a student of the game and, and prepping for comms and stuff? Because I mean, Cooper's got a good track record and they have made some solid signings. I will admit that they've obviously got the Toronto fullback. Um, they I know they want Jed Wallace as well. Matt, is that looking likely, Jed Wallace? Uh, yes, I think so, but not till the end of the window because Wallace is out of contract and dragging his heels, and it's a difficult deal to do. But they've got Steve Cook. And they've got Keenan Davis. Who, uh, Keenan Davis was the defense against Arsenal as well. Enjoyed playing against him. He'd absolutely, he's battered a few other central defenders into submission already. So, yeah, he's looking good. Uh, like Richie Larea, as you mentioned there, I don't think he'll play in this one, but it's a sensible economical signing from the MLS, which feels like a bit of an untapped resource for championship clubs. So they've completely changed their transfer policy from just throwing money at it in kind of a derby way um, to... You know, realizing it just wasn't working and completely revamping the recruitment policy, and, and it's had good success already with an American CEO in in Dane Murphy, who's doing an amazing job. Mark, when when you were when you were playing for Derby and and the Forest fixture came up as someone who came from the youth academy, was it always one of the first fixtures that you looked for? And how how excited were you going into a to a kind of a rivalry week in training and stuff? Was there an extra buzz about the place? Yeah, there was obviously like an extra buzz about the place. Like, um, I think coming up through the academy, even for an academy game, it used to be like a massive kind of build up where they were kind of training you in a way to get ready for the force team environment of a derby day. And obviously, when I was there, we had to have the likes of Nigel Clough with the connection that he had with Nottingham Forest. Um, he kind of laid it out to us and told us exactly what to expect, um, wanted us to take in the atmosphere. and as I said, it, it was something where you do try and, as the old cliche in football is like, don't play the occasion, play the game. I think when it comes to a derby, whether Forrester are in great form or Derby are in great form, when it comes to a game like that, all form can go right out the window and it can be an absolute dog for you or it could be the best game that you'll ever watch. And that's, that, that's what them kind of games bring to it. And like you say, I think... Um, I think there's going to be a lot more to it now this year, obviously with the circumstances that are going on. Like obviously Forrest are going to feel more superior at the Derby. Derby have a lot more fight and passion about them that they've had over the, the last while. And 
like I say, it, and the fans, the fans make the fix to themselves because the atmosphere does be deafening from the first minute to the last. And like you say, it's 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 going to be an interesting game. But like I say, when you go into a local derby, I think all when the form goes out the window and and it, it is what it is on the day, and, and whoever wants it more, and whoever can actually relax the maybe quiet in the fans or whoever can kind of be that bit more relaxed and cool headed will come out uh, the 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 winners of the game to be honest because I look at the form table Mark and I know I I agree with you I think you've got to throw a lot of form out the table we talked about Forrester's form and Derby minus the blip in the FA Cup against Coventry they're unbeaten in five league games and they've actually played quite well what surprised you most from the Coventry position Mark Hmm. uh, about about this Derby team because there are some players and I don't mean to be rude it's just just kind of an honest assessment there are some players that have limitations there are some players that probably wouldn't have gotten in better Derby sides, but they're all seem to be playing for each other and, and, and playing for the badge and, and, and really giving 110%. And that's kind of papering over a lot of maybe some shortcomings that could potentially fall from the squad. What's impressed you most about this Derby team over the last few weeks? I'd say what's impressed me the most is the resilience of them um, to go out with such pressures on. And I know a lot of people might say there's no pressure on their shoulders, but again, it comes back to your own self-pride and, like everybody doubts it and to be able to ignore what's going on from the outside and still plod along and do what they're doing and pick up results and you can see each to a man every time I've watched them play that they're all bodies on the line for each other and I was part of a great escape team when I first came to Newport we were 11 points adrift from March from March till the end of the season and we mathematically were still in with it but then everybody everybody ruled us out and last day of the season we stay up and Stuff like that, unless it's mathematically set in concrete that you're down, there's always that glimmer of hope. And I think the players, the fans, everybody's feeding off that and they're going game to game. And like I say, the the whole intensity, the the passion that they have for the place. And again, and I, I, I said it before, the fans themselves have galvanised and it feels as though it's back to that one unity like the fans club everything from the players to the fans to the staff everybody's all in it together and they're all backing each other and they're all kind of willing each other on and that's something that was disconnected I feel over the last couple of years because I feel as though money probably did interrupt all that and they were looking for the big time and splashing it out and they thought money was the answer and I think now they have that kind of connection between the fans and players again and as you say it's it's what I was used to at Derby everybody Everybody was in it together. And now that that feeling's back again, sometimes football isn't about rocket science, about having to go out and play the best style of football. It's about if you go out there and play with the passion that you play with and the intensity and play for each other and, and play with your heart on your sleeve, you'll pick up more results than you will lose. And Derby's shown that, that a lot of heart and character goes a long way. Matt, is it is it similar for us that everybody seems to be pulling in the in the right direction as well? Because... Forrest haven't had great owners of the recent past. We don't have to go too far back to to, to go there. Um, but with Dane Murphy coming in, the change in the transfer policy, the disconnection with Hewton's kind of left. Steve Cooper's trying to rebuild their identity and doing a good job of it. Is it very much the same at Forrest where everyone's, it feels like everyone's finally pulling in the, in the same direction to, to launch this club because Nottingham Forest is a big club to, to the higher echelons of where they aspire to be or maybe where they should be. Yeah, I think there's a like um, more of a dressing room unity, certainly, I would say, without being in there, because you never really know unless you're in there. Uh, I think there's definitely more of a, 
a bond with the fans between the team and the whole club feels more united. I think in previous years, like on our podcast, one of the discussions was, what's the last Forest team you liked? And you had to go back quite a way. Uh, but this one feels different. I think it feels like there's um, a genuine bond between the players and the fans are all willing them in the right way and everyone's pulling in the right direction. And it hasn't always felt like that. It feels like there's kind of, well, Murphy actually used the term true north, which is a bit cheesy, but uh, I think he's right. Everyone's pulling in the same, everyone wants the same thing, which is obviously promotion, which no one thought was realistic when he came in. But now it probably, there's a sniff of it now. And Forest is such a big club, like Derby, to be fair, that as you always feel like you should be up in the mix. And they haven't been for quite a while. But now, now there's just a chance of it. And they've, they've got these young players. and Maybe they don't keep them. Maybe they do. But Worrell and Johnson and people like that. And they've got the experience of Graben and Cook. It feels like a team that's built to challenge for promotion, certainly. Uh, and they'll have a right tilt at it, I think, until the end of the season. Then maybe they do have to review and they've got players out of contract. And maybe they have to sell their best assets because everyone's a selling club in the Championship. But right here, right now, yeah, I, they have a, a sort of a siege mentality, but in a very different way to Derby. But certainly, yeah, there's there's two football clubs with, with good bonds amongst the squad and the players, certainly. How far away are Nottingham Forest, Matt? You've seen a lot of Forest teams and you've seen a lot of football in your day. How far away are they from the playoffs or promotion? Are they, is it, you know, sometimes you watch a game and you're like, yeah, this team needs three or four players or whatever. Are Forest just, you know, a Jed Wallace or a midfielder away from, from promotion or is it kind of like after this season, you know, it could be another step backward to go forward when you have to sell players. Uh, well, the team right now, if they finish the window with this squad, I think he's got a really good chance. I think they've got one of the best, if not the best goalie in the league. If you were to match up Cook, Worrell and um, McKenna as a back three, I think that'd be right up there. You mentioned Jed Spence. Um, Max Lowe was great as the other wing back before he got injured, but Jack Colback's done a good job and now they've got Larea. Midfield, Ryan Yates is in great form and Jack Colback, when he plays there, is experienced. They've got James Garner, who's very talented and coming into form. Brennan Johnson's going to have a great career as a winger. And then Zink and Eagles a bit in and out. And I think that's why they want Wallace as that extra bit of star just in attack. Uh, and Graben's one of the best in the championship but he's 34, so he can't play every game. But then they've gone out and got Keenan Davis, who looks the real deal in everything, every sense apart from scoring goals, because we just don't know if he can do that yet, because he's got zero track record of scoring goals. So it's, they're not a Fulham, and they're not a Bournemouth. Um, I think they're better than West Brom. I think West Brom are a bit overrated as it stands. But I think they're as good as anyone in, in that kind of third to tenth bracket. I think they've got a good chance, yeah. Mark, when you when you look at this game from a Derby perspective, um, obviously the midfield was weakened this week with Graham Shinney's departure, Phil Jagielka, the center half, he's he's gone to Stoke, but Richard Stearman has come in, he played well. Um, and Derby are, are deep at, at center midfield. Who who are the key standout performers for you that are going to turn this game for a Derby perspective? Um I don't know. I, I, I do honestly think Derby as a unit are, are, are putting a shift in. I think um, the likes of a Tom Lawrence, as you say, like with the, coming off the back of two goals. Um, Colin Kazim Richards is another player that, that every time I've seen him play or come off the bench for Derby, he's been 
kind of the difference. A Ravel Morrison is somebody who has a bit more of a cooler head that can pick a pass and Ebiselli on the wing with his pace. Um, but I just think from a goalkeeper to a back four that they play, um, I think if they're able to keep as many of those players like through till the end of the season fit well and healthy, I do think that Derby, it all, it all stems from the back line because I think when they... When they play with so much passion, you need four players, five players at the back that are going to put bodies on the line. And I feel as though when they have those kind of leaders from the back in your quarter Davises and Stearmans and people like that, that anything going forward, I think Derby, um, they have got that bit of magic with the likes of Jason Knight and, and Board in the middle. And But I do think they have that bit of creativity as well with the likes of Lawrence. So um, I think it's going to be more of a collective. It's going to have to be a team performance rather than a single individual in a game like this. Um, and maybe just one moment of brilliance, maybe it could be a great finish by the likes of uh, even even the likes of Plans or as, as, I, as I mentioned, maybe the likes of uh, Tom Lawrence who's going to like pull a goal out. But I think it, going into a game like this with how they have been, I don't think, I don't think they need to change much. I just think they need to go into it as they should do, full of confidence, but then also know that each to a man, they're all going to be out there together, working hard for each other. And I think sometimes that's that's like the biggest battle and that's the battle that like they have been shown week in, week out. And I think it's going to be no different. And Mark, Matt made, Matt made a, a statement in his, in his previous answer, which I'm going to disagree with respectfully, Matt, because he said Bree Samba is probably the best goalkeeper in the championship, but he's not Ryan Allstop, or as we like to call him, Ryan Allstop. Um, how impressed have you been, Mark, with Ryan Allsop in goal versus, versus Kel Roos and, and is Allsop the man to go forward with, with Derby for the rest of the season? Yeah, he, he, he's been brilliant. But again, Kel Roos has been brilliant as well. Like I, I remember Kel when, when, I, when I was at Derby. I remember when he first signed. And as I said, he was a goalkeeper, came in and he's at the learning his trade. He's gone out and played out on loan and he, he, he's done his hard hours to what you, what you like to call it in football to go out and gain your experience. And like you say, I think Derby are lucky to have two quality goalkeepers on the hands where if one or the other are to play, you know what you're going to get out of both of them. But I think in the games that I've seen Derby in recently, I think Allsop has been probably one of the main differences where he's pulling out that one in every 20-minute save or the last-minute saves or sometimes, like you say, he's, he just seems that bit more commanding. And I think any, any player with confidence is going to is going to shine brightly. And I think he is a goalkeeper with like full of confidence. And like I say, when you have four defenders in front of you that are willing to throw their bodies on the line, it makes the goalkeeper's job a lot easier. And then when he does be called into action, he's, he's, he's shown his worth. So, um, no, I've been really impressed with him and, and, and he's doing really well in, in, in the recent weeks. And it, and it seems like when he's playing with confidence and, and you know, that, that back four is playing collective to, or the back five, back four plus the keeper playing together, week in and week out, you're going to consist, continue to get that consistency and that understanding. Whereas, you know, earlier on in the season, it was like Roos would play for a couple games, Allsop would play for a couple games, then Roos would come in for a game, Allsop would play for three. And now it seems like, okay, we've got a back four and a keeper now that are pretty pretty much gelled. And, and to be fair, this is this is a pretty settled Derby team, one of the most settled Derby teams uh, in, in, in recent memory, possibly because of the low numbers, because there aren't too many other people that they could potentially put in. But But it's good to see that, you know, like you say, the collective fight, the collective spirit, and that that's going to add an extra five or ten percent on the performance levels. Um, Matt, who's 
because we also I, I mentioned it earlier. Jed Spence is he was phenomenal against Arsenal, and I'm sure he's been very very good the rest of the season. Um, but you know, I know Middlesbrough wanted him back. There's no recall clause, but there's also not a purchase clause for Forrest. So who knows where his future is going to lie because he's looking like a Premier League player in waiting. From a Forest perspective, where is this game going to be won and lost? Um, yeah, well, I think you're right when you mention Spence. Um, he's definitely going to be in the Premier League next season, I'm sure. Um, he'd be with Forest the rest of the season because they renegotiate his loan. So I can't see him going before the end. And he's essential. I think the wing-backs are the key, really. Cooper plays with three. Um, these the, the back three. And... There was a couple of games they didn't have Spence, they didn't have Lowe, and they had basically full-backs or midfielders playing out of position. It really hurt them. They got penned back. Everything goes through the wing-backs. They're the ones that get them up the pitch. They're the out ball, and they're the ones that turn defence into attack. Forrest are quite counter-attacking. They don't mind not having as much of the ball. So if Spence and Colback, I assume it'll be, I don't think it'll be Max Lowe. It might be a bit too soon for him. If they can kind of assert some kind of dominance on... Uh, Burn and uh, would it be Abuselli, the left back, or Forsyth? I don't know. If they can um, win those individual battles, I think that's key. I mean, against Arsenal, Cooper let them go one on one. He let Colback deal with Saka on his own, which was bold, and it worked. And he let Spence deal with Martinelli, and they bossed the game. So, yeah, I think that the wing backs are key, and then probably keeping Tom Lawrence quiet. He's the outstanding player in the Derby team, really. I mean, like, I'm sure Mark's bang on about the collective unity, but Lawrence is, the, to me, the, the the outstanding individual in that team. And he's the one, as we've seen for time and again this season and against Forest. he can really hurt you if, if he gets the ball in that kind of pocket, uh, running at defenders and picking out passes and stuff. So if they keep Tom Lawrence quiet, I think that gives Forrest certainly every chance of getting a result. Mark, does it does it give you heart as as a as a as a commentator and as a Derby supporter that a lot of the things go through Forrest's wingbacks? Because the way I say that when 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 um, Matt was discussing it, you know, you've got Spence on one side and Colbeck on the other. Jack Colbeck, he's in his early thirties. He doesn't necessarily blessed with a lot of pace, although he's doing a very good job for Forrest in that area. But then when you look at Derby, Mark, they've got Nathan Burney who likes to go down the wing. They've got Abasale, whose pace scares a lot of people. Um, and then you've got Jujviak on the other side with a bit of pace about him. I mean, does Dobby have enough tools there to be able to peg back those fullbacks with with the pace? Yeah, I think I think Dobby have 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 enough in their ranks to be able to peg wing backs back. And as you say, sometimes I think you can look at a game like you say, Forrest playing against Arsenal, and yeah, they might have played really well. But I think in a one-off game when you're playing in such a high stakes game against a Premier League side, I think everybody raises their game, and it's just a natural thing. And I think that's something where going into a local derby, I think derby are going to probably have to be a bit more cautious, but also still have to play on the front foot to what's been getting them results and getting them to do what they're doing. So I do think it's going to be very interesting to see when it is wing back against wing back to see who pins who back. But derby have much more like have much more of a threat going forward, or just as much of a threat as Forest do. So I think it's just going to be. They are going to be very vital uh, battles, but I think the likes of Ebiselli and people like that, um, he's not he's not shy of making them um, doing his defensive duties and and being that kind of cover and defender when he needs to be. And he's got great pace for it, the same as Bourne. But I do think going forward, I think 
Ebiseli is a bit more of a direct runner, whereas I think Bourne has that better final quality. And I do think um, Derby will utilise that. And I think if, if Bourne does get half a yard to get a ball into the box, like you say, he's got very good delivery. And, and as you, as I've seen um, in, in the recent games, when he puts the ball into the box, Derby have players in there that are willing to go uh, attack it. And I think it is probably going to be one or lost outside, um, maybe getting the ball wide and, and keep switching the play. But again, um, it's going to be, I think, a tentative first couple of minutes or first half an hour in the game, just like any derby will be. But uh, yeah, I think it's just one of them things that as the game unfolds and it starts to like get stretched, I think it's going to come down to the wing-backs and derby, I think, have enough quality just as much as far as to cause them problems. And Matt, I'm going to come to you in a minute to get your score prediction where you're going to predict that Derby's going to win. But before I do that, I'm going to go to Mark because, Mark, I want to, I want to relive this. <coughs> Talk about this when, when we met up earlier. 2011, September, September 17th, 2011, Derby Nottingham Forest at the city ground. You're in the team. Um, and that's one of the, the standout results of the recent memory of, of, this, of this rivalry because it was the game that Derby only had 10 men and beat Nottingham Forest after a... Frank Fielding red card after about two minutes. Um, talk me through your memories of of that day and of, of that game. It was it was me very forced to have a local derby. So going to the game, um, I remember turning up at the city ground, and I think I don't know if it's still there or not. But they normally have like this local pub where all the fans kind of get at the end of the turn in going into the ground, and you can see them kind of booing and shouting all sorts at the at the bus coming in and. As the manager just said, he said, like, soak it up. So, like, going out to warm up. And, yeah, I was nervous. But we were warming up in front of thousands of people. Like, there were so many people in the stadium already. And it was, you kind of knew it was a big occasion. And then you're coming out for for the game. It's deafening. You hear the Derby fans. And then you hear the, the, the roar of the City fans, uh, the Nottingham Forest fans. And then, as I said, the, the, when the whistle went and we're in the first 90 seconds of the game, a goalkeeper gets sent off. And then they go one the look, and I'll never forget Noiser Clough's uh, talk with us before going out for the game was the game always starts ticking fast. We always concede early at the city ground, so let's not do that today and let's keep things tight for the first couple of minutes. And then, like you say, 90 seconds in, all that is out the window and it's it's kind of a backs against the wall. But I do think the group that we had then was a group similar to what Derby have now. People who would work hard for each other, people who were willing to put bodies on the line and the unity we had is so similar to what I see in this derby side. So I'll never forget it um, when Jamie Ward scored the goal and it was one each at half time. So we kind of had that bit of belief that we had something to hold on to. Then Jeff Hendrick missed that header at the back post, which we thought that's our one and only chance. But again, we just we just kept going and kept going. And again, I think we got what we deserved in that game, and we we ground Nottingham Forest down in their own in their own um, in their own stadium and. Like the atmosphere of that day is something that I think I'll never forget. It's like at the end of the game, like to hear the final whistle. I don't think we understood the kind of implications that was going to stand where people still talk about it to this day. I didn't, I didn't like we just seen it as it's a win against your local rivals, but to kind of see the memories that it's left in people's minds and people remember it like it only happened yesterday and everyone who was involved with it. It was just one of those amazing days and it's something that I'll never forget. And as I said, to be part of it, but then also to play the 90 minutes in a game such like that, it was it was definitely memorable. And like I say, it was it, it's up there with one of my favourite games that I've had in my career. 
Matt, what are your what are your Derby Day memories uh, from your time supporting the club and, and covering the club? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, you remember the good ones mostly, don't you? Um, I remember in 2003 when Forrest beat Derby 3-0 and John Gregory was on his way out and Forrest on the way to the playoffs. There was just a vast disparity between the teams. I remember Nathan Tyson waving the corner flag. <laughs> yeah, um, I know Nathan quite well, so it's mm. quite funny talking about that now. Um, that will stick in fans' memories forever. Uh, what else? The 1-0 game with Graben, the 1-0 game with Ben Ayoun, uh, the 1-0 game with Oliveira. I mean, you just remember the wins, don't you? I mean, yeah, I, of course you remember the losses and the big moments like um, the penalty save from camp and stuff like that. It's a, probably a game of moments, isn't it? I suppose the, the biggest one is Ben Osborne, <laughs> which was on this day. Ben Osborne scoring the 94th minute winner or whenever it was. So, like Mark says, it's just a a massive fixture and you can kind of cement your legacy, can't you? Like, you're talking to Mark now about a game 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, it, it probably mean one of the... I, I'm guessing it's one of Mark's career highlights and because of what it meant on that day to, to him and, and the fans. Matt, I want to... I mean, I think you're dead on. I think everybody always remembers when they played well. Um, I certainly remember the guy not too long ago who jumped in the trend when they thought Forrest won and then Darby equalized with Chris Martin. That's always great. Um, but when when you look at what we've just discussed with the fullbacks and how Darby's pace with Epicelle and, and, and some of the quick players burn and stuff, do you think that those fullbacks can get pegged back or do you think Cooper would potentially adjust it where he's going to push them so far up it's going to it's going to negate the attack attack from Darby or are there areas there where Forrest can get exposed? And if they are, where are those? I think Forrest will get exposed in the game at some points because Cooper sets out to attack. I think he'll be quite comfortable leaving the back three with one sitting with Fielder in front of them and he'll take risks to win the game. So I'm sure Derby will get chances. I think if you look at the history of the fixture, the last four games have been 1-1. So it's pretty tight. Derby's last win. I think was the Vidra game, wasn't it, when Vidra scored in the first minute. So Forrest will need to uh, you know, keep Derby at bay, don't give them a sniff, I guess. And, and similarly, Derby will be looking to stay in the game quite early on. So I guess it's going to be quite cagey. I don't think anyone's going to blow anyone out of the water. You'd probably look at Forrest of having perhaps a bit more individual quality. I think it's fair to say if the neutral was picking a combined 11, there'd be more Forrest players in it than Derby at the moment. But then that you know, what Mark says kind of negates that individual quality anyway, because a collective unit can win any game of football within reason. I mean, Forest aren't Man City, are they? So it's going to be really tight. It's going to be a really good game. It's a lot more interesting um, than the previous two or three of these, especially behind closed doors. It feels like there's so much on it because of where Derby are at as a football club and, and where Forest are at going the other way, hopefully back towards the Premier League. It's going to be a massive, massive spectacle for sure. And Matt, that leads me into to one more final question for you, Mark, and then I'm going to come to you before we do score predictions. Is this a bigger game, Matt, for Nottingham Forest or for Derby County? Um, well, Forest beat Millwall. They've got Derby if they beat Derby. Then they've got Barnsley at home. And you'd like to think if they, they take nine points then if they beat Derby on Saturday and then they've got a real sniff of the playoffs. But it's a bigger game for Derby in the sense that if they're going to stay, if Derby are going to stay up, 
if they win this game, it gives them so much momentum in the face of such adversity that a win for Derby would probably mean more in a sense. Forest have had stuff. Even if Forest lose, they've still got a really good chance of getting in the playoffs. If Derby lose, I think it does hurt them, doesn't it? They there's only so many times you can stamp a man's face when he's down. And Derby, if you know, like you say, they've lost Shinny, who's a really good player. They've lost Jagielka. The manager probably won't go to Everton, although I did bet a tenner on him going to Everton a few weeks <laughs> ago. But that that throws a spanner in the works potentially. So these Derby players have had everything thrown at them. If they can win this game, then the celebrations in the dressing room, like Mark was saying before about that win, I mean, they'll stick with those players forever. So I guess in a sense it's a bigger game for for Derby. But Forest are going to be so massively up for it that uh, I don't think it matters who it's a bigger game for in a sense. Mark, same question. Is it a bigger game for Forest or for Derby? Um. I think he hit the nail on the head. I just, I, I don't think you can either determine who was a bigger four because in a local derby, I think it means it means the most to both teams because, like you say, it's bragging rights for fans. I think the players are aware what it means to the fans. And again, I think in the technical terms of everything, yeah, probably it is a bigger game for derby because, like you say, they're playing their whole season game to game. They can't look too far ahead or too far back. If they were to get a result against Forest, it's great, but then they can't rest on that because they got to go to the next game. Um, but I do feel as though Derby, um, how they have been over the recent weeks, they're going out to win games. I don't think they're going out to draw a game. They're not going out to kind of ease into a game. They're going out to win games and they know they need three points. Now, don't get me wrong. I think a point at the City ground would be amazing for them just as much. But I do think um, Derby themselves are going into each every game to win it. So I don't I don't see this game being any different than I think if going into this game is, is something where being a local derby it means it means the most to both sides. But again, I just feel as though there's that bit more passion towards Derby um as a collective between the fans and players to what it means as a club, not just to beat Forest, but to get a three points. So I do honestly think maybe in hindsight or in, in the bigger scheme of things, it is a bigger game for Derby because of the circumstances. But I think even if these circumstances weren't here, I think it's it's still a massive game for both sets of players and fans in any way. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think when I look at it, Mark, I, I look at, you know, the predicament that Derby's in, obviously they're off the bottom of the table now. That's a massive, you know, it's a massive psychological step. And, and I said this earlier, uh, when we were, you know, when Derby had negative points, that both times they went into the negative points, they were able to get out of the negative points within the next game, which is massive psychologically to to be able to continue to hit these milestones. And so I think, you know, when you look at it from the rest of the season, it's it's a daunting task if you look at it as a whole block. So I think you're you're right. You do have to take it game by game. And Derby know they have to go get three points. A point, yeah, would be great against Forest, but you know you have to get three. Um, and Derby could probably only really afford to drop points in what. They can probably afford to lose maybe two, three games from now until the end of the season if if the impossible is to happen and then maybe maybe two or three draws in that as well. So you're looking at, you know, now you're looking at how many how many times can we afford to slip up and things like that. But I think you're right. I think they, they look at it, you know, as a game, as, a, as an individual game, no matter who the opponent is to go out to win. I think Rooney's proven that he sets his team out to, to win games, um, kind of unlike last year where they were kind of playing the opposition. Now it's like, it doesn't matter who we play, whether it's, Barcelona or Nottingham Forest, it doesn't matter. 
um, you know, you have to go out there, you have to go out there and you have to get the victory as, as much as you can. Uh, so Mark, I'm going to press you now for a score prediction. Do you know what? I just feel as though the game is going to be so crazy. Um, I'm going to put it down to a 2-1 derby, but it's going to be like a last-minute gasp winner. There's going to be something crazy to happen in the game, but I feel as though it's going to go in derby's favour for what's happened over the recent weeks and how things have been for them. I, I just feel like it's going to be a derby win. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, as they say, in my water as well. Derby haven't lifted the Brian Clough trophy in a long time, and it's a piece of silverware you want to have on your resume. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to go 2-1 as well. So, how many goals are Derby winning this game by? Oh, was that for me? Sorry, there's a really noisy car to come past that. <laughs> I think it's a quad bike, actually. Um, uh, I think if it was at Pride Park, I'd feel a lot more nervous because of that kind of sort of everyone's against us mentality that Derby fans, rightly or wrongly, have got against the EFL and Steve Gibson and Wicker and and all that stuff, I think it would have been a proper cauldron of an atmosphere that would have given Derby an edge. So now the cauldron's in Nottingham and Forest fans are going to be right up for it. And maybe that feeds Derby, like Mark was saying, for when they won. But maybe it doesn't and maybe it helps Forest. I, I think I think Forest are a better side. Uh, but I can definitely see Derby winning the game. I think the last few times I've been on here, I've said a draw. But I just feel Forest have got that They've got that momentum. I think they've got more match winners. And if there's going to be a magic moment in the game, I think Forrest are more likely to come up with it. So if I was picking a winner, I'd say I'd say Forrest. And I think there'll be goals. Um, I mean, uh, maybe 3-1 Forrest with Derby chasing the game, a really tight game where Forrest get that extra goal late on or something like that. I think it's definitely going to be really close and no one's going to win the game comfortably, certainly. But I just feel... Forest have got that little edge going into this one. Yeah, you can definitely feel that both of these teams are, you know, they're both in good form. They both got pretty solid squads. They both, you know, get some results and things like that. So you can see that it's going to be, it's it's going to be like you say. I think it'll be an open game, but also a tight game if that makes sense. Like I think there'll be a lot of chances, but I, you know, it, it could go either way on these small moments. But I, I can't sit here, Matt. No matter what, whatever else, I can't sit here and pick a Forest when that's just not going to happen. <laughs> But, uh, you know, gents, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time for, for this evening to, to, to talk about the big match um, and everything like that. Matt Davis from the Nottinghamshire Evening Post and the host of the Garibaldi Red Podcast. Matt, thanks so much for, for joining us. We're frenemies this week, but we'll go back to being friends next week. So I'd wish you all the best, but I wish you all the best after Saturday. But thanks, thanks, for, thanks for joining me tonight. No problem. Thanks, Corey. And former Rams defender Mark O'Brien. Mark. It's great to see you up in the commentary booth. I'm loving the commentary and the and the uh, the chemistry you have with Ed. So hopefully, hopefully that continues long. I'm I'm really pleased with the way that you are um, building your building your second career still in football, but on <laughs> the side of things, it's it's really exciting and awesome to see. So Mark O'Brien, thank you for uh, for taking the time this evening to to talk to me about Forest and to give me some insight so I could relive my memories of 2011. <laughs> no problem. Thanks very much. Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. Fan Hub are looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups, checking on match days, and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. 
Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the FanHub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back Four, and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back Four provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well. Amazing clothing range. They've got some awesome Derby stuff, so go and check them out. And we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season, so stay tuned for that. And our second partnership is going to be with the Six Yard Out folks. They do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts, all kind of things Derby County. They've got England mugs, Derby County mugs, and various different kits, and you can get them customized and have old players on them. Um, some really amazing things. You can use Rams Review as a, as a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's, that's Flatback 4 and 6 Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. Thanks go out to Mark and Matt. Absolute pleasure having those two guys on. And thanks to Corey for holding the ship for a preview that uh, obviously I didn't want to miss. Unfortunately, I had to miss for recording timings purposes, but it's not a podcast without Jason this week. I am here and we've got a couple of bits and pieces to touch on. We'll start with just before the Sheffield United game, because this, all this kind of pans out in a, in a chronological order. So let, let's do it. Let's do it in that order. Uh, pretty much press conference for the Sheffield United game. Wayne Rooney said a couple of statements about the ongoing takeover, uh, bringing players in, um, various bits and pieces, and gave assurances that something was was going to happen um, in a positive way. Uh, something happened, but in a, obviously not in a positive way. Fast forward twenty four hours, we've. We've lost Phil Jagielka. Um, the takeover, by the looks of it, is nowhere near. Unfortunately, the EFL had a meeting, and by the sounds of it, <clears throat> they uh, are not happy with various bits and pieces going on. And yeah, basically, Derby. Uh, uh, but I feel it feels from a, from a fan's perspective, feels like Derby have been uh, been shafted a little bit. And so rolling into the game on Saturday, we find out that Graham Shinney is off to, uh, to, to Wigan for reportedly £30,000, which is just absolutely mind-boggling. Um, so obviously that, that was kind of just beginning of the, uh, before the game. And is this the start of the fire sale that we that we didn't want thirty thousand pounds isn't gonna isn't gonna do much but um you know it's clearly uh, that deal was done Phil Jagielka's contract could not be renewed because the AFL have slapped another transfer embargo on us and it's all a little bit sticky at the moment. More on that in a second. We come to the game on Saturday. Uh, Sheffield United, obviously, Nick was gracious enough to give us his time and, and preview the game for us last week. 
and Sheffield United were coming to Derby as a, as a form side. And then what transpired in that 90 minutes was yet another performance with grit, determination, defiance, belief, and two world goals uh, from, from Tom Lawrence. Um, <clears throat> the, the game itself, there was not a great deal in it. In all fairness, I thought that actually it was a little bit boring. The first half felt it just never never really kicked into gear. Sheffield United were slightly on top, I'd say. And you were just as we have many times this season, looked at the Derby side and thought, yeah, where where's the goals coming from? Uh cue Tom Lawrence halfway through the second half. Decides to pick up a ball just out, just off away from the halfway line, uh, dribble and take on four defenders near enough, and, uh, and and poke it into the bottom corner, which was you know an absolute fantastic goal. Hats off to Tom, uh, captain's performance, um, and he obviously didn't think that that was good enough. And, and one thing that we know Derby have lacked a little bit of certainly earlier on this season was that killer instinct to get the second. And what a what a second goal it was! Uh, Festi ever saying they're breaking up the play on the edge of our own box, bursting seventy yards, and I mean, yeah, that that man can run. Uh, giving the ball to to Forsyth, we had a three on two. Forsyth managed to find Lawrence, and uh, in all fairness, Sheffield United looked like they'd, they'd got back and defended it well. Um, but Tom Lawrence had other ideas, and uh, from the edge of the box, killed it into into the top left-hand corner. And I can assure you in the south stand where I was, there was absolute scenes, absolute limbs, um, and plenty of bruises as, as, a, as a result of that. The final whistle goes. The, the team, as we've said for weeks, uh, are trying. They, they sent the fans home happy yet again. But of course, that is kind of where the happiness of, of this story ends. Uh, a little bit from from what's been happening over the last three or four days. Um, as, uh, obviously, as fa- as a fan personally, and I'm sure everybody listening as fans, um, it, it's really worrying with what's going on. And we've had various bits and pieces come out over the last two or three days about what's going off, and the crux of it sounds as if that. These legal challenges from Middlesbrough and Wickham are causing more trouble uh, at the moment and are, are, are a key component as to why the EFL decided that they weren't happy and decided to slap a transfer embargo on us. So basically, as far as I, my understanding of it is that the... the, the um, the situation is that until those are resolved, that's kind of what's holding back. Preferred they're being named. They're not. Um, they're not willing to kind of pull forward with with this any of the bidders because they know that a financial thing is you know financial penalty could well be coming, and that that's putting them off from that side. The EFL aren't happy because they want assurances that Derby can continue for the rest of the season, and without income they can't, or without a takeover they can't. They haven't, they haven't got the funds for that. 
and so at this moment in time the, the stalemate is that, that that could well come from from player sales we we've seen obviously the Graham Shinney one for 30,000 that's nothing there's been reports today that a bid of 450,000 has been made by Millwall for Louis, for Louis Sibley 450 grand is not is not doing anything Dobby it's reported needs 7 million and you know, if that's the kind of figure that these players are going for, then Dobby won't have a team left before they've they've reached that supposed seven million uh, seven million pound target. So it's frustrating. Obviously, it's very frustrating. Um, I was a lot more. I'm a lot. I'm, I'm calm talking about it now, uh, as, uh, trying to do it in as, as a professional manner as I possibly can. But of course, there's all this news was coming out over the weekend and. On this week, um, I wasn't quite as calm, and and so they're, they're the big stumbling blocks that, that need to need to get around. And fans now of, of Derby County have really started to take matters into their own hands a little bit, and there are petitions, uh, fifty thousand plus signatures on to get it into Parliament. Earlier on today, as I'm recording this on Tuesday. Earlier on today, this matter was discussed in in Parliament to the Sports Minister to try and get some answers to try and find out what the hell is going on with Derby County and just the way that the EFL uh, have handled not just this situation, um, but yeah, obviously we're focusing on the on this situation. And there has been various other statements come out about from from one from the EFL explaining the reasons behind what I've just discussed. And apparently the administrators knew all about that in advance of a meeting last week where Wayne Rooney said everything was okay and we'd have a preferred bidder named within 24 hours. Um, the administrators put out a statement but it didn't really answer a great deal. And so we are still surrounded in unknown territory but the preferred bidder naming whilst looked very very likely four days ago now looks like could could rumble on a, a little bit more and obviously that's that's a massive worry a massive worry but these these legal claims from, from Middlesbrough and Wickham seem to be seem to be the major stumbling block here. And I mean, why they seem to want to think that they're entitled to, to money. And, and from my understanding is that this went to court, probably just get laughed out. But the problem is that takes time, too much time. Derby haven't got that kind of time. Derby need to get this resolved now. And really the only way to resolve that now would be to just go, yeah, all right then. And, and arrange some form of compensation for something that I would say that you know they're not guilty of. But if that's what gets it moving, then then fine. The only other way is for is for one of the preferred bidders to take a I suppose it's take a punt really, and stump up and prove the seven million, which we know that they've got, but it's got to be out there in the public domain. Prove the seven million and then take whatever whatever hits come. And I think that's probably the less likely because I think there's going to be more hits come um, as, as this rolls on 
and you know, something that me and Corey dis- discussed in the last episode was that the, the better Derby do, the more Derby keep fighting, and the more other people are gonna are gonna try and and, and cripple the uh, cripple Derby. Um, obviously, after the win on Saturday, we are now off the bottom of the league, which is yeah a massive massive achievement. Uh, say much for Barnes this season, unfortunately, but um, yeah. In terms of a, of a derby's perspective, you know that that's absolutely great. I mean, of course, going into the East Midlands derby this week, um, in what is obviously a huge game anyway, um, both sides in form. You know, for us to play really well, you have to admit it. Um, but derby are, are doing various things as well on the pitch, so uh, it's going to be a cracker, hopefully. Um, and it poses the question: Could this be the last one? I mean, the threat's real. There's no doubt about that. I'm trying to not look at it in that way, that the threat is there, the threat is real, that Derby County could cease to exist in in, in a matter of weeks. Um, but I say with the petitions that have been started and, and getting it in, involved, getting the sports minister, getting the MPs involved, I mean, you've only got to look over social media. There's fans from all over. Some fans from certain clubs aren't so happy about this others are getting on the bandwagon we've seen celebrities we've seen Robbie Savage today um it's looks footballers and next players and you know all that kind of thing getting behind it and you know there is a bigger picture here and that is a self-regulated organization like the EFL shouldn't be allowed to, that shouldn't be allowed it should, it should be an independent independent thing but obviously as I say at the moment it's Derby County what we're concerned with and Got to hope that things move and things progress this week. Uh, Middlesbrough have released a statement saying that Quantuma, the, the administrators, haven't spoken to, to Middlesbrough since November. It, it's all a little bit um, strange at the moment. Um, did see something on social media yesterday, the day before, um, about Quantuma's found a legal. I want to call it, a, it's a legislation, I think it's more of a loophole, um, that about the footballing creditors and things like that, that actually, whilst, yes, those rules were passed last year, did not actually be written up and officially published yet. So they have, it may well be that they now start to get a little less, I wouldn't say nicey-nicey, but a little, they, they really start to pursue certain legal avenues. Um, which allows ultimately Derby County to, to take steps forward, which is obviously something that we want. So, as we well know, following Derby County, that um, 24 hour period in Derby County is, is, is crazy. And um, so, yeah, from going from what looked like last Thursday, Friday, everything being okay, no loss of players, you know, the, the new bidder was going to be preferred, blah, 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 and to now losing a couple of players. And, and important players, you know, not, they're not the future of Derby probably, but you know that they they do a job at this moment in time. Um, so starting to lose them, and then as I say, it, it just feels like we've taken steps back. And how the EFL are allowing this to happen is is anybody's guess. You know, I get the point that Derby made mistakes. Derby County is a football club, obviously, not it was Mel Morris, but. Um, they broke rules. They deserve punishment. That, that's absolutely fine. But it it does feel like it's it's a bit of a vendetta 
does feel like the AFL are being awkward whilst they're saying that they're not we're not privy to absolutely everything that's going off uh, in the public domain but you know everybody will have their own opinions um, we've just got to hope that we hear more and more solutions in the next however many i won't say days but it could be weeks who knows um but we know one thing's for sure that probably by the end of january money's money is starting to run out so we can't rule out other players leaving which you know will be will be an absolute travesty um so you know a, a bit of positivity from the football at the weekend and that's really that's probably what we're all always talk, all talking about but it's not of course it's, it's all the other stuff as well and then the final bit of negative news that it looks like Everton are poised to try and uh, approach Derby to speak to Wayne Rooney about becoming their manager which at the moment I would argue is you know is, is just as important as losing one of the players one of you know one of the youngsters or something like that um uh, what what Wayne what Wayne's managed to do we know it's not just him it's a team but you know what what he's what he's managing to do is incredible and I, I for one wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't feel bad if he left or you know he would I think he would go with a lot of well wishes from most Derby County fans because um, he could have walked out on this club long before now and um, so yeah certainly wouldn't be grudging certainly to Everton very similar to the Lampard obviously Lampard Chelsea thing. Um, We've just got to hope that maybe, just maybe, this time it, it doesn't happen um, and we can keep hold of him. And, you know, let's try and put a positive end to the podcast with everything that's going off. So we're 23rd now. We're only eight points out of the relegation zone. Obviously, the Forest games is tough. It's, it's massive. Um then, as we discussed last week, you know, Derby's fixtures, there's some, there's some winnable games. And we've just got to keep chipping away, keep chipping away, keep chipping away and, and see where it takes us on the pitch. For a change at Derby, the problem is not on the pitch at the moment. The problem is massively off the pitch. The problem seems to be massively with with the EFL and, and Middlesbrough and, and Wickham to a, to a lesser extent, I'm led to believe. Um but there's going to have to be some tough conversations, tough meetings, and there's actually going to have to be some work done now. Because Derby County have been in administration for nearly five months. And it feels like they're no real closer to being out of it um, with, with various uh, obstacles that, that keep getting put in the way. So, you know, next time we come on this podcast um, to review the Forest game and, and look ahead, uh, to I think it's Huddersfield, uh, no, sorry, Birmingham. Um, to look forward to Birmingham, at Bride Park, and then Huddersfield away, uh, various February. I'm hoping that we've got some m- more news to talk about with the off the field matters. I'm hoping we're talking about a win on Saturday, of course, uh, and I'm hoping that we we've got some more answers to questions for the all the off the field stuff. And you never know, it, it might have a bit more of a positive spin on it. But at the moment, it certainly doesn't. Um, but that's where we are. And 
it's 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 frustrating. It's it's really difficult to talk about because it's it's my club, it's your club, the listeners. It's that it's, you know it's Derby County. It's really difficult. Um, it's hard to keep emotions out of it sometimes when you when you're trying to do a, a recording like this. Um, and I'm just hoping and I'm praying that a lot of the stuff that the fans are doing off the pitch and you know, say getting involved with trying to get this into Parliament, trying to get this looked at, uh, any help, any help that we can we can get at the moment, we will we will definitely take because we need it. Um, and fingers crossed, as I say, when, when we come ne- when we come reconvene next time, hopefully there's there's more to talk about in a positive light. And that is it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. It's been been an interesting episode. Looking forward to the Forest game on Saturday, even though it's ner- obviously it's always nervy. Looking forward to it. And let's hope on the pitch we keep the good times rolling. As I said earlier, thanks for that. So it was always Corey from earlier, Mark, Mark uh, absolute fantastic uh, chat earlier on. And until next time, up the ramps. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's RamsReviewPodcast. Or you could drop us an email, RamsReview at Hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.